It's time to discover your spiritual identity with your host, Mike Shree. There are hundreds of names and titles given to God's people that powerfully reveal who you are, why you exist, and what your purpose is in this world. Each one pulls back the veil of a different aspect of who you are in Christ. Once you learn these names and titles and apply them to your life, you will rise up boldly to be all that God has called you to be. Are you ready? Here's Mike Shree. Did you know in the beginning of Christianity, those who adhered to the principles and the doctrines of the Lord Jesus Christ were not referred to originally as Christians? They were called followers of the way. And let me give you the scripture for that. In the New Living Translation of Acts chapter 9, verse 2, it's talking about Saul, who later became Paul the Apostle, and it said he requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus, asking for their cooperation in the arrest of any followers of the way that he found there. He wanted to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. In fact, Christianity is referred to four or five times in the book of Acts as the way. Another instant is Acts 24, verse 14, where Paul is actually talking about his previous way of persecuting the church before his conversion. And he said, this I confess to you, that according to the way, which they call a sect, so I worship the God of my fathers, believing all things that were written in the law and in the prophets. Why did they call it the way? I believe it was a way of describing the teachings of Jesus. The very one who in John chapter 14, verse 6 said, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one can come to the Father but by me. And very curiously, that meant more to a Jewish person than it would mean to most Gentile people because those were the names of the veils leading to the Holy of Holies. Traditionally and historically, the veil to the outer court was called the way, and the veil to the holy place was called the truth, and the veil to the Holy of Holies was called the life. So when the Lord Jesus Christ said, I am the way, it was his way of saying, I am the gateway into a relationship with God where your sins can be atoned for and you can come back into a reconciled status with him, which was, of course, very unreceivable to many of the authorities in Judaism in that day. Well, Jesus made that statement in response to something that Thomas said. After he mentioned to the disciples he was going away, and he was talking about, of course, uh, being crucified and buried and then descending into the lower parts of the earth and preaching the gospel to the dead and then ascending to heaven later on. And Thomas said, Lord, we do not know where you are going and how can we know the way? And Jesus responded, I am the way. Now, that really covers a lot more territory than just theology, because you could insert all kinds of situations and problems and difficulties and challenges, like, how can I find out 
what my future is going to be like and what I need to do with my life. And I hear Jesus saying, I am the way. Is there any way out of this depression that's weighing my mind down? I can hear Jesus saying, I am the way. Is there any way out of this constant anxiety that I face in life? I hear Jesus saying, I am the way. Is there any way I can get a healing for my body, my soul, my spirit, my mind? Once again, I hear Jesus saying, I am the way. It's very simple. Everything is contained within him. All of your answers, all of the divine direction you need in your life. Like the psalmist David, you can say, the Lord is my shepherd. He leads me beside still waters. He is the way. But let's expand this a little bit more. First of all, I want to mention Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12, which is actually repeated word for word in Proverbs 16, 25. It is such an important statement. It's repeated in the same book of the Bible word for word. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. That's what this world offers. This world offers the way of death. Human beings are impressionable. Human beings feel confused quite often over what their identity is, what they should be emphasizing in the way they live, what direction they should go in life. They're very impressionable, and that's why they're constantly searching for influencers that can influence them by certain concepts or by certain examples of the way to live. And so they copy. They tend to emulate and imitate someone they pick out as a role model or a number of people that they pick out as role models. And usually, especially if it's in the entertainment industry or even in the educational realm that is devoid of any kind of doctrine of Christianity, that that way becomes a way of death. No wonder the Bible says, blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, because you can be easily led down a wrong path that will have a death-dealing effect on you mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and really physically as well at the end of the journey. There is a way. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. Let me show you how even when God came in the flesh, he needed to follow a certain way a way to walk, a way to present himself, a way to manifest himself to Israel. And it was encapsulated in prophetic words out of the prophet Isaiah's writings in chapter 40, verse 3. Listen to what Isaiah said. Well, actually, let me insert here, John the Baptist referenced that passage of Scripture when people asked him who he was. They said, are you Elijah? Are you some great prophet that has come back? He said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. There was a certain path that Jesus was sent to follow, a highway leading to an ultimate goal. 
And that goal, of course, is the transformation of the entire universe. A new heaven and a new earth, a new Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven, and a bride that will inhabit that holy city. And there's a way, a specific way, a defined way that all of that will come to pass. And so John the Baptist was, in a sense, clearing out a road in the wilderness. He said, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. And if Jesus himself, God incarnate in human flesh, had to find the right way in order to successfully journey through this world and accomplish what he was sent to accomplish, then definitely you and I need to do the same. I love the fact that in that same passage of Scripture, it said that every valley would be filled, every mountain would be brought low, the crooked places would be made straight, and the rough places would be made smooth. When you find the way that God wants you to walk in this world, the same thing happens for you. As Jesus journeyed through life, he brought prideful, arrogant things down. He lifted humble, broken people up. He defied the deception of the world and made crooked places straight. And he provided answers when people had rough lives to face and he made the rough places smooth. When we walk in the way that God maps out for us, the same will happen for us. Praise God. Praise God for that. Now, when Jesus gave his first sermon, or at least the first main one that is recorded in Scripture, the Sermon on the Mount, he made a statement that really relates to this teaching. He said, Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go by it. But narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way that leads to life, and few are they that find it. Think of that. Broad is the way that leads to destruction, and there are many who go in by it, and narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way that leads to life, and there are few who find it. I think it's interesting to see he's not just talking about eternal life. He's talking about what life is supposed to be right here, right now. The word translated life in that passage is zoe, which means divine life. It's a life infused with the presence of God and the purpose of God. Few find that. Most people are are just spinning the wheels in a ditch of life doing the same thing over and over and over and not getting anywhere, not making any real progress concerning who they are or what they plan to do in their future or what they're working toward eternally. And it's important that the way we live is not only a way to succeed in this life, but a way to prepare for the next life. Let me tell you a story about the man who was chosen by the President of the United States to oversee the construction of the Panama Canal 
many years ago when ships had to go all the way around the southern tip of South America to get from the east coast to the west coast. And of course, it was going to be a huge step forward, not only for our merchants here in the U.S., but for world travel to be able to go through the Panama Canal. However, there were many, many challenges. And it was worth it because there was going to be so much benefit. However, many, hundreds, maybe even thousands of men died from diseases they faced, from the horrible conditions they had to endure, especially malaria, took a lot of people down uh, because they didn't have any kind of resistance against it. And uh, there was a great price paid, but it opened up a way from the Atlantic to the Pacific that would benefit many, many people. I think it's really interesting to see that the man who engineered the Panama Canal when he went down to that area to oversee the whole project, took two coffins with him, one for himself and one for his wife, because he didn't think he would make it back alive. But he was willing to give his life for something that beneficial. And when I read that, I almost cried. I thought if he would have that kind of commitment to carry coffins with him, to his job site, just to open up a passageway between two oceans. How much more committed should we be to lead others to the way, the passageway that leads from time to eternity, from earth to heaven, that we should be faithful even unto death if necessary to get the message out. And yet I don't find too many people that are very committed to that cause. And yet that's the cause that drove Jesus when he was here, is to reach those who were desperately in need of being redirected. See, most people have been enticed by the whorish woman of Proverbs chapter 7, which I believe is metaphorically representative of the world enticing all the people that are born into this realm. It's an adulterous woman, yes, but it's not speaking specifically of just that sin. It's talking about the lust that woos the whole human race. And in Proverbs chapter 7, verse 27, it says, Her house is the way to hell, descending to the chambers of death. There's deception cloaking the minds of human beings, so much so that Proverbs 21.16 says, The man who wanders out of the way of understanding shall remain in the congregation of the dead. This is a death and life situation. And if we are followers of the way, we, in a sense, are extending life to a human race that is destined to die mentally, emotionally, spiritually, physically, eternally. We are of all people in this world, most important, yet very mocked this very week. There are many Christians outside the uh, Justice Building in Washington, D.C. that are demonstrating in favor of Roe versus Wade being overturned, and they're being mocked terribly in ungodly ways by those that are 
really living a demonized life. It's the greatest display of wickedness, I think, that we've ever seen in our nation. However, God's compassion reaches out to people like that because Psalm 25 verse 8 says, Good and upright is the Lord, therefore he teaches sinners in the way. They may be mocking and cursing God and cursing those that are trying to rescue the unborn and fighting with all their might for the right to kill children in the womb. Yes, sin entrenched, sin controlled, sin possessed people. Yet, good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he teaches sinners in the way. And I pray that some of them will be convicted by the compassion and the kindness of the Christians in their response to the ridicule of those that put their belief system down. Let's go all the way back to Genesis. I think it's really important to connect the dots between the church of the New Testament being called followers of the way and Genesis chapter 3 verse 24. What's the connection? When Adam and Eve were thrust out of the Garden of Eden, the Bible said God set at the east of Eden cherubim and a flaming sword to keep, some versions say, to guard the way, the way of the tree of life. And all of that is symbolic. A flaming sword turning north, south, east, and west is symbolic of the Word and the Spirit because the sword represents the Word. The Bible said that it's the sword of the Spirit and that the Word of God, like a two-edged sword, slices or cuts to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. In other words, it shows us what is of the lower nature and what is of the higher nature of the born-again part of us. And when God said he would set a flaming sword at the east of Eden to keep the way or to guard the way of the tree of life. Surely that was his way of saying that through the ensuing thousands of years after the fall of Adam and Eve, that flaming sword, which is the word of God consumed with the fire of the Holy Spirit, would draw the human race back to Eden paradise, back to that kind of delightful communion and intimacy with God that Adam and Eve originally possessed. That's why we're followers of the way, because the way is leading us back to the tree of life, which was the key to immortality. See, the tree of life was in the garden where they communed with God. So it's not so much a tree that's the key to immortality, it's communing with God that's the key to immortality because both are in the same place in the Garden of Eden in the very beginning. See, God chooses people that have this mindset. When Sodom and Gomorrah were on the verge of destruction, God visited Abraham in order to discuss with him the outcome of those two cities. And God said in Genesis 18, 17, 18, and 19, The Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I am doing? Since Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. For I have known him in order that he may command his children and his household after him that they keep 
the way of the Lord, to do righteousness and justice that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has spoken to him. So the way of the Lord is living a life of righteousness. That's correct standards. The word right means upright or in alignment with God's standards. And justice means fair treatment of others and a fair way of discerning what should be done in life, in every area of life, is treating others with justice, treating others with fairness. That's such an important thing that should guide us in all of our affairs. Another important verse that I want to take you to is Exodus 13, 21. And that's where it says, The Lord went before the children of Israel in the wilderness of sin in a pillar of a cloud to lead the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light so as to go by day and night. And he did not take away the pillar of the cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night from before the people. And so they were literally in a desert region, the wilderness of sin, but God sent a divine presence, personally leading them through the wilderness And the way the Bible words it is it was a pillar of a cloud to lead the way. And the same God is leading you and leading me through this wilderness world into the promised land of our divine destiny. Now, there's a number of specific ways this particular phrase, the way, is used in Scripture with other words that I want to bring in before I close. For instance... Uh, In Psalm 119, verse 30, the psalmist said, I have chosen the way of truth. Why don't you say that after me right now? I have chosen the way of truth. That implies there is a way of lies. There is a way of deception you can choose, but the end of it is death, as we read a, a few minutes ago. And then in Proverbs 12, 28, it says, In the way of righteousness is life, and in its pathway there is no death. And then, oh, I love this verse in Isaiah 35, verse 8. It says concerning the new covenant era, a highway shall be there and a way, and it shall be called the way of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it, but he shall be with them. The wayfaring men, though fools, shall not err in it. No lion shall be there, nor any beast of prey shall go up on it. It shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there. So the pathway for the redeemed of the Lord is called the way of holiness. Holiness is not really achievable by human effort, not completely. You can strive to be holy, and you and I are called to be holy. The Bible says, be holy, God speaking, And then he said, for I am holy. In other words, if you want fellowship with me, you've got to love what I love. You've got to love the attributes, the characteristics of my personality. You've got to be holy as I am holy. And the word holy simply means separated from the world, cleansed from the defilement of sin, and consecrated to God's purpose. It has a triune meaning. And of course, in respect to God, he was never cleansed and never needed to be cleansed from any kind of defilement. But when the word holy is used in reference to us, it means those three things. Let me repeat them. 
It means to be separated from the defilement of the world, to be cleansed from the defilement of sin, and to be consecrated to God's purpose. And the purpose uh, and the person who can qualify in those three areas is said to be holy. And the good thing about the born-again experience, the Bible says, when we are born again, the inner man, the hidden man of the heart, is created in righteousness and true holiness. Listen, Christianity may be a way of grace, and it is. It may be a way of forgiveness, and it is. But don't ever forget that it is also the way of holiness. Finally, I want to end with one more particular verse that I really love, and that's 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 31, and also leading over to verse 1 of the next chapter. Paul said, earnestly desire the best gifts, and yet I show unto you a more excellent way. I'm talking about a way that is more excellent than the way of righteousness or the way of holiness or the way of peace. The Bible talks about this new covenant era being the way of peace. The most excellent of all the descriptions used concerning the way that we are walking is the one found in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and chapter 13. He said, I show unto you a more excellent way. And then just about all of chapter 13 breaks it down. And it starts off by saying, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not love, I am become as a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. Because the more excellent way is the way of love. That's the simplest way to live and the best and safest way to live. Loving God with all of your heart, all of your mind, all of your soul, all of your strength. Loving your neighbor as yourself. When you really get committed to the two greatest commandments of the new covenant, life becomes everything it was ever supposed to be. Now, I've got two prayers that I'm going to encourage you to pray, and then we're going to close. Exodus 33, 13, Moses prayed. He said, Now, therefore, I pray, Lord, Yahweh, if I have found grace in your sight, show me your way, that I may know you and that I may find grace in your sight. Which is very curious, because he said, If I've found grace in your sight, show me your way, that I might find grace in your sight. In other words, he's saying, More, God. I want more grace pouring into my life. I want to understand who you are. I want to understand what life is all about, what eternity is all about. Show me your way that I may know you. It's not about just knowing the way. It's about knowing you and finding more grace in your sight. And then this is the prayer you ought to pray after me. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties. See if there is any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. That's what David said in Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24. I'll repeat it this time, but I'll give you time to say it after me. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties and see if there is any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. That's who we are. That's what we're called to be, 
followers of the way. Thank you for listening to Discover Your Spiritual Identity with Mike Shree, a podcast designed to cause a spiritual awakening in your life. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, cpnshows.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss new episodes. You can go deeper into this amazing revelation of the names God has given His people by getting your copy of Mike Shreve's book titled, Who Am I? Dynamic Declarations of Who You Are in Christ. We also invite you to visit our website, shreveministries.org, and sign up to be part of our global internet family, a group of on-fire believers who are bold to proclaim, I am who God says I am, I have what God says I have, and I will be what God says I will be.